1: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a tremendous week. Uh, Great show today. Very, very fun show today. I was joined by my good friend Drew Holden. Always a great time talking to Drew. Uh, We talked about uh, Amy Coney Barrett absolutely filleting uh, the Democrats on on C-SPAN all week. Uh, We talked about the Democratic Party trying to redefine basic English words. Uh, Bold move, see if if it works out for them. A lot to get to. A lot to cover, as always. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, Before I get to Drew, uh, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. All right. Without further ado, here's my chat with the great Drew Holden. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Drew Holden. Drew, how you doing?
0: Brady, man, I'm I'm hanging in there about as any as well as anybody can be doing. How about you?
1: Hanging by a th- by a thread, my brother. <laughs> exactly. As always. <laughs> so we have a ton to get to as always. Uh, not a surprise here right. uh, on the show. Um, let, let's start here though. Uh, the Democrats have decided that the term sexual preference is offensive. So just well done, <laughs> well done, Democrats. Uh, Hawaii senator, Maisie Hirono. Uh, was very, very offended when Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett used the term sexual preference. Uh, and she had to tell the world just how yeah. homophobic or racist or whatever the term is. So just great stuff. Just excellent stuff from the left, as always.
0: Yeah, I- incredible. And I mean, we've seen this, right? We've seen this movie play out a thousand times before where. All of a sudden, overnight, because it's convenient, something new that the American people are completely comfortable with, no one is actually raising any outrage becomes outrageous because it's politically expedient to be outrageous.
1: It's it's just you could we can do this with any word, right? Like any word in the English dictionary. Like we no, should just yeah. we should just make stuff up and, and trick the Democrats into canceling random words. Like I mean, like what comes like, okay, chair. The word chair. The word chair is offensive. Because I don't know. Two hundred years ago, to... two hundred exactly. years ago, a gay black Muslim Native American handicapped woman uh, couldn't afford a chair and had to sit on the floor. Therefore, exactly. chairs are Islamophobic.
0: Like, am I doing right. this? Am I doing this yeah. right? We'll am I doing this stink. right? think about the power structures right who have who have historically had a seat at the table versus who hasn't it's a metaphor for blah 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 blah. i mean it's (laughs) with anything with anything like you can you can wrap a metaphor or go back far enough in history where any even the most innocuous of objects or ideas or words were offensive somehow to someone and all it takes (laughs) is one all it takes is one these days right like It it just takes Maisie Hirono being upset about one word and we'll get a whole news cycle about it where the the left and the media and everyone else will yes queen her, you know, into the limelight.
1: It's just so it must be so tedious being a Democrat. I mean, just like it's like these people must be exhausted. Trying to concoct reasons to be pissed off all the time. It's like just swinging your hand through a swarm of hornets over and over yes. every second of every day until eventually you just grow up and start voting Republican.
0: Honestly, I mean, you're, <laughs> it, exhausting is, is a great way to put it because I mean, how do you think they have like a like a banned words dictionary that they pass around? I mean, I I'm tired and taxed, obviously, as someone who doesn't believe in this, but but wants to. <laughs> I think I, I do try and avoid the firestorm where I can, and so I try and think through, like, well, what is this word going to mean to this person? But, like, I wonder if the keepers of the book are just... Do they do anything else, or is this just an all-the-time job for them?
1: It has to be full-time. And yeah. They, there must be a, a team. I mean, no one man can keep track of all this stuff on his own.
0: Yeah, exactly, because then they got to get the talking points out, which we saw, obviously, very quickly with Hirono. They've got to make sure that everyone who may otherwise not believe that this makes any sense, they all have to... Jump on board too.
1: That's the thing, man. And uh, the left did not have to circle the wagons here. Like they yeah. did not have to do it. And I, I truly, I, I do mean this as a compliment. I do admire the left in their ability to circle the wagons. Like us on the right, like we throw each other under the bus all the time mm-hmm. for no reason. Like we do not circle the wagons, and we should a little bit, not all the time, but we should more than we do. But, like, the left doesn't – they did not need to do this. Like, they should have done what everyone exactly. else did and just make fun of Maisie Hirono. Like, oh, right. uh, crazy Maisie Hirono, what an idiot. Ha, ha, ha. But they all come to her defense. They circle the wagons. Exactly. They're writing think pieces about how racist sexual preference is. And the yep. left – the, the press is running with it. It's like, Why? Why? Exactly. I mean, this woman, all Maisie Hirono does is convince people to vote Republican. <laughs> like, yes, She may actually That's be a GOP true. plant, and I just don't understand why they had to circle the wagons around her.
0: Yeah, it does. It, you're right. It doesn't make any sense, and we're going to have—I'm sure this weekend, when the think pieces start to kick in on this, we'll get all <laughs> of the the backwards-looking rationale for why she was right, and then society will pivot yet again. But, I mean, to me, I think my— my biggest takeaway from the whole thing, the fact that this is the big story on the left from from the the Coney Barrett hearing is they got nothing. They have absolutely nothing. nothing. Like if they could land a shot on her, if they could do anything compelling that would cause everyday Americans to even hesitate about this decision and this appointment, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be having this conversation.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right, too. We're obviously on day three. Uh, feels longer.
0: <laughs> God, I know. You said three. I was like, is it really I was like, only wait three? Minute. But yeah.
1: yeah, It's only Wednesday, man. It's only Wednesday. Uh, we are on day three of the, the Amy Coney Barrett confirmation hearings. And, and you're absolutely right, man. Uh, they just haven't, they have not been able to land a single punch on, on this yep. woman. Uh, I, I don't know if they're, obviously Barrett is a superstar. I mean, she is, she is a superstar. She's doing great. Um, I, I, They've tried, like, Maisie Hirono with the the sexual preference stuff, and then Sheldon Whitehouse. They've tried. Um, Maisie Hirono actually asked her if she had ever raped somebody, which is hilarious. I I heard that. Like... No yeah, one yeah, updated.
0: Dude, here's what happened. No one updated her talking points since the last <laughs> hearing. That's what happened. I mean, I'm sure they've they've got a punch list of this is how you take down a nominee. And for whatever reason, she was looking at the, the 2018 version rather than the 2020 version. A very simple mistake for a Democratic lawmaker to make.
1: Yeah, and like they just haven't been able to to land any effective blows on Barrett at all. And I, I think. They have toned it down a little bit. Obviously, she's not a man, so it's a little bit harder to accuse yeah. her of like gang rape and stuff. But like, yes. they may have learned something from the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. Like, I don't think they—they they must have. They must have kind of told the Maisie Hironos of the world to not be as aggressive, right. to not be as ridiculous. That must have been a tactic that they're taking. There's no uh, way it, they're doing it by accident. It.
0: Yeah, you got to think, and I mean, I don't know. My hunch, and I think uh, you and I, is at these people who believe themselves to be reasonable people, like they, they probably just have internal polling that says it didn't work. You know, like I think yeah. they, I think they went through the whole process. They did it because they thought that this would gin up outrage and support. And when they look back on it, and the polling, and the news cycles are generated, and where we are now with this hearing, I think they probably saw, like, I oh, don't know, like this is this is not leading American people to have the sort of response that we thought it would. Hopefully, I mean, I hope that's true. Who knows? Who knows what happens the next time that there's a, a male uh, Supreme Court or other high-level appointment that comes down the pike? And if they go back to the old playbook, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're probably right.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they did revert back to the, the old playbook next time there's a guy <laughs> up there. But
0: I, they can't help themselves. I have to
1: think that uh, that these hearings will make a difference. It will, will will help Trump's chances of being reelected. I honestly believe that. I know when this process started. Um, when when Barrett was nominated, I guess that was what three weeks ago now, two two three weeks ago. Two
0: weeks, yeah, yeah. Ten years, years ago,
1: now, I don't ending. know, man. <laughs> yeah,
0: honestly, again, like time is so compressed. One in this news cycle, two this close to the election, three during the pandemic. So you could have told me when he nominated her last weekend, I'd be like, oh, it seems soon, but yeah, probably.
1: Yeah. Time is a flat circle for sure. sure. But uh, the the polling data on on Barrett was plus two like the 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 American people wanted her to be confirmed uh, by two points three weeks ago. And now it's all the way up to plus 17. Um, Yeah. So I I don't know if this will necessarily help Trump because Trump has the uncanny ability to make everything about himself, which is politically insane. Uh, But I think it will help. The Senate races. I, I, I have to think so, because just the disparity in intellect between Amy Coney Barrett and the Democrats questioning questioning her right. are just incredible. It's like the worst thing the Democrats can do if they want to flip the Senate would be to put Dick Durbin and Amy Klobuchar 100%. and Maisie Hirono and Sheldon yes. Whitehouse and Richard Blumenthal on TV. OK, yeah, the fact right. that this is the best. This is the best the Democratic Party has to offer. I mean, they're yeah. getting beat down by Amy Coney Barrett exactly I I can't believe they they I I don't know like if Sheldon Whitehouse is the best you have my goodness
0: right yeah exactly and I I think you're right I think that this probably translates a lot better to the Senate because if you're I mean if you're a vulnerable Republican like if I'm Lindsey Graham I would probably sit up there and say look do you want Do you want me, someone who is in this room and like it comes across as a normal, reasonable person? Or do you want another Senator Blumenthal? Do you want another Maisie Hirono? Because that's what you're going to get. And maybe maybe Harrison or whoever it is, is campaigning on something else. But this is like this is the group thing that they all have. And you're right. I mean, I think it's a it's a walking ad for for Republicans in the Senate.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong, too. Like, I I don't like the grandstanding on the Republican side either. I mean, like, yes, but at least when, like, Mike Lee and Ted Cruz and Ben Sass grandstand, it's, like, entertaining and fun to watch because they're intelligent human beings. I mean, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: And, I hate it on and, both and sides, if, but at least we have some intelligent people on our side.
0: Right, exactly. I would much rather have someone who is, like, I don't know, a scholar of constitutional law talking about it rather than whatever the hell Maisie Horono is trying to get up there and do. And, and you know, Barry, what, I think the thing that I keep coming back to is, all of this is proof positive for uh, Ben Sass's original idea that he wrote about in his most recent book. He's gone on TV and talked about it a bunch, that there shouldn't be cameras in these hearings. Absolutely. All of these people, the good ones, the bad ones, whatever, they're all responding to a really simple uh, set of incentives because there's a camera watching. The American people are tuned in, uh, but they're not there for the whole thing. And all they're trying to do is get a soundbite. All they're trying to do is get 90 seconds or less that they can put on social media to Convince people that they're doing their job, and that's bad. Like the American people suffer when that is the set of incentives that they're responding to.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely correct. You're you're absolutely right there, and uh, and Ben Sass's new book actually is terrific. He has a lot of great uh, <laughs> ideas yeah. for how, how to make how to make the Senate great again, if you will. I definitely recommend. <laughs> yes. It. But um, the the left and the press they they truly do believe the American people are a bunch of idiots. I mean they they yep. they think so little of the American electorate that they believe they can just redefine words. Uh, whenever they want, um, and, and you saw this over over this last weekend with the term court packing, right? The left and the press <laughs> yes, once again course. they they circled the wagons and all decided yeah. that that court packing is not court packing, and that the real court packing is when a Republican appoints a judge to fill a vacancy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like these yeah. people hate you. These people think you're stupid, and they believe they truly believe that they can tell you right. that two plus two is five, and you'll believe them because you're so dumb. Okay, that that's what yes. these people think about you and your family.
0: Right. And that all they have to do is be angry and insistent enough and eventually you'll cower to them. Right. Like to me, I think so much of it is there's there's like a fear index that goes in here where they say something is bad and terrible and scary, be it about a system or a person or a way of thinking. Right. In terms of the sexual preference stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and all they like if they if they keep and they think that if they keep pushing this, that eventually you'll back down. Right. And I know we've talked about this before, about the idea of Republicans holding the line on things that matter. And this is another one like words matter, like words that have definitions should continue to have those definitions. And the court packing thing was insane because you saw one, like you have the usual partisan hacks, right? Like Eric Holder weighed in and the usual like galaxy brain blue check people are all over this one. But like you've got media outlets and elected members of Congress who are running with this shtick and it's just not true. And any like anyone with half a brain, it, it, it seems so malicious because all of these people at least should positively know better on this stuff. I mean, they do know better.
1: I, I, I just think that, Yeah. Just overall, we're going to get in in just a second to The New York Times debunking some of these Russia conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. But like, I I just think that the press and the Democrats have just collectively adopted the Dan Rather Harry Reid tactic of just making stuff up. Like, you know, we all remember Harry Reid, you know, accused Mitt Romney of not paying taxes. Everybody knew that was false. And then when uh, Harry Reid, you know, was was proven wrong, he just said, well, you know, Romney lost the election.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean exactly. I
1: think that's just what what these people do now. And and Dan Rather obviously torpedoed his own career by just making up stuff but again, about lying, George Bush. Yes. It's like they don't care. It's, they, they know they're lying. They yeah, know they're lying. Exactly. They're not idiots. These aren't like Harry Reid's not a, a stupid right. person. They just right. don't care. They only care about power. Power right. above all. Power Uber
0: Alice, right? It, and that's it,
1: all they care about.
0: Yeah, and and I think what it comes down to too for so many of these people is that they they know that these things work on a calendar, right? Yeah. Like the yep. the reason the reason Harry Reid's tactic was so effective wasn't because. It was this great idea or like he kept it running for so long or was so convincing. It's all he had to do was lie for a short period of time. And eventually he would like the the news cycle would move on. People wouldn't care anymore. And so he was super, super good at just holding the line, making it through election and then being like, whatever, it's politics. Like, it's a dirty game. This is how this is how it plays out. Oh, well, I was wrong. And that's all they have to do now, and they and they know full well that all they have to do is lie long enough so that it makes an impact, and then they can either be sorry if they want to, or just blow it off because no one will care soon.
1: I mean, that's the thing, man. Like, are they right? Are they right about the American electorate? Like, are our countrymen a lot less intelligent than we thought? I
0: mean, I don't know because it, like it's worked. It keeps. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and and it will continue. To, and here's the thing. I think part of it is, you know, st- stepping back. I think for a second, in terms of just people's raw intellect, I think that unfortunately a lot of the forces at play in our society conspire together to make it a very effective thing to do. If if we're down to what, like six seconds of attention that people have between social media and a 24/7 news cycle and this, that, and a lack of accountability within that news cycle, it's, it's probably easier than ever to construct a narrative and dupe even decently intelligent and certainly decently well-meaning people. Like I think it's just a lot easier to lie for short periods of time now, Hopefully the flip side to that is that we, you know, it it makes it easier to expose lies in the long term. But certainly in the short term, like you can make whatever you want up and convince a wide swath of people pretty, pretty quickly these days.
1: I mean, look, I've already given my prescription on this over and over on the podcast for the last four years and nobody wants to listen to me. I just think we need to take away people's voting rights. (laughs) Yeah. I I, 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 I legitimately believe that you should own land uh, to vote. So, but it's never going to happen. But. Yeah. I mean, people just listen to me. I'm, I'm pretty bright. But yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so take us through the New York Times uh, being fo- being forced to debunk uh, the Democratic Party conspiracy theory that Trump owed money to Russia. Or yeah. Or something.
0: Yeah. So there's, there's been a lot of these, I think that have gone, that have gone bust of late. Right. And I, I think it, it's interesting timing. You know, the Durham report obviously isn't out yet, but will be coming out presumably the ne- and not before the election, but presumably the next few months. Um, but it, it seems like we're learning a lot more about a lot of things that people pushed for a long time about Russia and Trump and collusion. And the latest was uh, earlier this morning, the New York times, their, uh, their, their, their business and finance reporter put out a story that, there's no evidence that Trump owes Russia money. This has been a huge talking point, right? This was the this was the release your tax returns, and then his tax returns came out, and there wasn't any evidence there. And there was the the follow the money logic around the you know the in, the impeachment investigation, and even the Times now is like, guys, like knock it off, stop. Like, this is bogus. It doesn't exist. There's no evidence. People who are still like, where does Trump owe the $400 million that he owes? And we've got all the answers. We have all of that. We have all of that lined up. And there's still some, I think, some bad apples between Congress and influencers and even other people in the media. But it was nice. Uh, I'll, I'll say this out loud and maybe I'll eat my words soon. But it was nice to see someone like The New York Times come out and say, hey, guys, this is bogus and we need to stop pushing bogus.
1: Yeah, it really must have hurt, right? <laughs> oh
0: God, it had to. It had to. Because uh, This is a central pillar.
1: Yeah, that was that was the hardest uh, a journalist has ever. You know, man, it must have been tough to hit send on that one. Like, yikes. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, and and honestly, power to their editors for running it. Because I'm sure they're gonna catch flack about this. Oh yeah, people, I um, would
1: be fired. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, and I. Uh, you know, I had a I had a piece that went up yesterday in Federalist about this, about how like there's so like there's just unbeknownst to so many in the mainstream media, there have been so many individual components of the Russian collusion hoax that have just fallen to pieces lately. And this is just this is like I don't know, it's probably the fifth in the last month that has just completely fallen apart between his taxes and this reporting and everything else. Like they're just they've gone up in smoke like the Steele dossier went up in smoke, like uh, like the, like the Mueller investigation eventually, you know, originally put all of this stuff up in smoke and you just don't see the coverage. No one's talking about it. All the people who were upset for so long about all of this stuff have all of a sudden completely lost interest.
1: Yeah. And I mean, eventually, you know, sometimes the press does have to retract some of their crazy conspiracy theories and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's, it's it's always the same story, though, right? Like you delete the tweet that had a million retweets with a correction that gets 14 retweets. You know what I mean? It's nobody pays attention to it. And the thing is, I don't know how we prevent these things from happening again. They will keep happening because we don't have a real press like short of completely destroying the institution of the press and rebuilding something else where it once you know, salting the earth where the New York times once stood and rebuilding a new institution, you know, in its place short of that. I don't know how, we prevent the next Russian collusion. You know, when yeah. Ted Cruz runs for president in, in four years or whatever, they're going to come right. up with something about him, too, or, or whatever. Ben Sasse, you know, insert Republican name here. They're yeah. going to come up with the same stuff because we do not have—I mean, th- these people in the press, they, they're they not critical of any information coming across their desk if if it's disparaging to Republicans. And yeah, so it's exactly. going to keep happening. Like I don't know what we do. It, it, it's, I mean, all we can really do is just encourage the American people to tune out the press. To just right. completely ignore the New York Times. I mean, that's kind of all we can do because they control 95% of media, all of Hollywood. I, yep. I mean, they control everything. They control the flow of information. So it, it's short of just getting people to ignore them, I don't really know what we do.
0: Yeah, that's a good. I have three thoughts that always seem to kick around my brain on this one. The first is the the approach that Nicholas Sandman took after he was, uh, sue after he was smeared. <laughs> sue them. Right, yes. sue them. Like— Like, like, I think one of the best things that unfortunately, like, and I'll, I'll pause to say, unfortunately, it has come to this, right? Like, I, in no ordinary universe would I endorse people suing the media, I I think, but but for the last 10 years that we've seen. But yeah, I mean, I think that's what it is. Like, you, you sue people for knowingly and maliciously lying, and then you hope that that's like a brushback pitch for everybody else to stop doing this shit, I think is one. Yeah. Two, and I think this is the more the more fundamental shift that's going to need to take place, is you need to have more conservative people in newsrooms. Like, I think, like, I, I don't know, I, I try and read with a lot less malice, I think, than a lot of other folks on our team do at the, the developments of the press. And to me, the the big problem is, somewhere between 80 and 85 percent of journalists lean left they see the world a certain way their lives have played out in a certain way that leads them to think and believe certain things about the world and their political opponents and there's no one holding them to account there's no like conservative ombudsman that is sitting there and saying hey this is like i know you don't quite get it but this is bullshit right and so i think that the more conservative voices we have in newsrooms the more conservatives who are elevated in newsrooms the better these sorts of things will play out as two and then three lacking that like I think that you, and I think we're starting to see this, thankfully, of late, but I think you need more good, down the middle, conservative news outlets and reporters and things like that. And I think the more that you can have good investigative work and more stories that get broken by right of center media and a response to left of center media, then I think you're going to have some benefits. But I mean, all like one of those is, you know, kind of a a back of the napkin solution and the other two are going to be a long time coming before we get anything close to parody.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you can't get number two without number one. I mean, I think you're going to have to sue these people out of existence.
0: Yeah. That's a thing. Or at I least mean, sue them until they, they take the business risk seriously. Right. Like if you if you can get, I, you can honestly, get places like The Washington Post and yeah. The New York Times to say, oh, God, like we need to worry about this vulnerability or else it's going to hit our bottom line. But yeah, I, I think you're right.
1: I just don't think they're capable of stopping until they're unemployed. Yeah. I mean, I, the, like the editors of The Washington Post, I just don't think unless they're jobless. I, I don't think they'll ever change. I I, I I, honestly, I know that's a pretty bleak outlook, but I, I, I honestly believe that. Like, you know, you, you go back to, uh, what was it? Where did Kevin Williamson get hired from a national review and then fired like six hours? Oh, later? The Atlantic. The Atlantic, the Atlantic. Right? The Atlantic. He was so, there for like
0: 18 hours, yeah. Yeah, I mean like- Kevin the, Williamson, like, my, favorite, my favorite or second favorite person who puts words in print these days. I And as someone who is, despite everything, a loyal, committed reader of The Atlantic and have been for like- I don't know, 15 years when he got hired. I was like, yes, finally, it's turning. Things are getting right. better. And then God, the next day was bleak for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, but like, they'll never change until Jeffrey Goldberg's unemployed. Yeah. I mean, that's the only like he will need to lose his job. And I like, right. I hate wishing, you know, unemployment on people. Like that's not usually something that I would say, but I, I don't think we have another, like he will, ne- Jeffrey Goldberg will never hire a Kevin Williamson. Okay, yep. that's why Jeffrey Goldberg needs to be unemployed. He needs to find another profession. Because I mean, that, that, that's it. Like these people need to be sued out of existence. They need their their business models need to go belly up. They need to go under and they need their investors need to hire a new team to start a new publication. I mean that that's it. I mean, I just don't yep. think short of all of these people being fired or these businesses going under, will they ever change their behavior?
0: Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, unfortunately, I think I probably generally agree with that. Uh, I'm a little bit more optimistic, but I will be honest. I have no reason for optimism. I'm optimistic because I can't bring myself to not be optimistic on this stuff. Uh, I mean, Barry Weiss Weiss was forced
1: out of The New York Times, man. Yeah. She's a leftist.
0: Right. Right. Barry Weiss, who was not some sort of like. And that's the other thing, too, is, you know, it's it's hard to look at these things and think that it's getting better, right? Kevin, Kevin D. Williamson, whatever else you think of him, I think he's incredibly brilliant. He's oh, he conservative, is. right? He's, he's fundamentally conservative. He's a conservative writer. He's from NRO. Barry Weiss is not some sort of bomb-throwing conservative by any stretch of the imagination. And if she can't cut it, right? And the next, uh, the next will be, um, what's his face? Who, who's like oh, Brett Stevens. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you saw Brett. I, I don't know no, he's gone. Piece,
1: he's not long for, but, for that job. There's no yeah, way. I, I, he, I, Brett Stevens doesn't survive the week.
0: Yeah, I think he I think he wrote his last piece for the New York Times this weekend, and I'll Great. I'll encourage all the, all your listeners go and read it. It was brilliant. It, I think it is the best good faith takedown of the sixteen nineteen project that I've read as someone who I think has read a, a few of them. Um, and it should be the sort of thing that would open the eyes to people in good faith on the left side of the aisle about these issues. And instead, it will cost Brett Stevens his job.
1: Guaranteed. Yeah, I, I'll tweet out that uh, that piece as soon as the show's up. By the mm-hmm. way, too, so everybody can read it, it is excellent. And the thing is, Brett Stevens probably knew that that he was. Yes. You know he, he's gonna, gonna lose his job this week. He Walking to the
0: gallows, man. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, and good for him, man. Good for him, and he'll end up writing for National Review or somewhere
0: else. And Great. you know, I, I will I I look forward to seeing him on Substack. I'm sure he'll be he'll be, he'll be, he'll be there any day.
1: So one God. more thing before I let you go, uh, Drew, that we have to mention Andrew Cuomo, uh, <laughs> the butcher of New York, um, literally the worst governor maybe in the history. Of the country, and I, 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 I'm fully aware who George Wallace was. Okay, yep. <laughs> okay, yeah, but, I, but I, 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 I'm 100% serious when I say Cuomo may be the worst governor in the history of the republic. Um, he obviously murdered uh, thousands of elderly yeah. New Yorkers, sent them all to their their early graves, um, and he's just openly blaming the Jews now. He's saying that the the Jews, it's the fault of the Orthodox Jewish community that there's, you know, rising cases in New York. And then there's really not rising cases in New York. Man, look, one, the balls on this guy. Two, this is a tale as old as time. Kill thousands of people and blame the (sighs) Jews. Truly. I mean, we've been watching this for 5,000 years, okay? Like, okay, Pharaoh blamed the Jews, too, okay? (laughs) I mean, just the— audacity of this son of a gun.
0: Yeah, I mean the stones do, but you're right. It's it's a, a time-honored unfortunately tradition in politics to do this. So he's uh he, he's taking that historical lesson and applied it to today. We'll see if it pans out. I certainly hope it doesn't, but you're right. I mean like what kills me with Cuomo is you know, you can say there I think there are there are arguments to be made that there are blue state governors who did the best they could with coronavirus. Coronavirus hit them first. They have densely populated cities. They are, they are more rife for the sort of bad outcomes that we saw. Totally get that. Totally believe that. But what Cuomo and his defenders always seem to ignore, and there's actually there's a, some really good reporting on this from New York Mag, I think, but what Cuomo fails to recognize is his role in all of this. He is the guy who, against the advice of his health advisors, sent seniors with coronavirus, <laughs> Back to nursing homes that caused what, like one in eight people in in nursing homes in New York to die. Like it's astounding, and the stones on this guy to still be in the media every day. Like I'll I'll be frank, right? I I I don't usually say this, and I'm I'm very hesitant of anyone who says this. I think he should probably be in prison, right? Yeah. Like he shouldn't be writing a book. He no. should probably at least be brought up on charges and let the justice, you know, let justice do what it does and play out. But the stones on this man.
1: The, I get the most of the criticism I get on this podcast is for being too uh hyperbolic and painting the Democratic Party with too broad a brush. But I'm yeah. gonna do it again. <laughs> <laughs> this is your Democratic Party. Yeah. I mean Andrew Cuomo sending the elderly to their graves and then blaming the Jews. Okay, this is the Democrat this is the man the Democrats want to run for president in twenty twenty four. This right. is this is the man yeah. they wanted to replace Joe Biden on the top of the ticket this year. Right. Remember that? Yeah. I mean this party deserves, I mean, the fact that they have not forced to, I mean, I, I agree with you that this man should be in prison, but yeah. at the very least, the, the fact that he's still employed, he should have been forced to resign in disgrace. Yes. And that the fact that he's still the governor of New York, I mean, the Democratic Party deserves to lose every election in perpetuity. I mean, this is Andrew Cuomo. Yeah. It, I mean, th- th- he, polling data shows that the majority of Democrats wanted this man to be their standard bearer right now in 2020. Yeah. OK, yes. Th- the Dem- this this yes. party cannot win. These party deserve this party deserves to lose every race from dog catcher up to president.
0: Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, like I, I just pulled up the numbers. Eighty six percent of Democrats in the worst of it. This is in July approved of Cuomo. He hit his all time high for approval rating in July. And if you remember, like, believe me, my my phone is a trove of screenshots on this. The praise that he got was Across the board, it was from everyone. It was everyone left of center was talking about how this man is the second coming of Christ, and they can't wait until he's president. This is them. This is what they believe. No one's walked those back.
1: Yeah, elderly New Yorkers were not available for comment, though, huh?
0: Yes, right. Yeah, exactly. About, about thirty thousand dead seniors in New York have uh, might might have something to say about that.
1: Unbelievable stuff. Unbelievable stuff. Drew, uh, when's uh when's the next uh when's the next thread dropping?
0: Yeah, so um next thread planned for this evening. We're gonna. Oh we're gonna... boy. We're going to look at the folks who told us that uh, there was a a financial connection between Donald Trump and Russia now that that one has gone bust. It's the latest in what seems (laughs) like a never-ending series of threads about the Ref Inclusion Hoax.
1: And where can they find you on Twitter?
0: Uh, You can find me at Drew Holden 360. I'm there far more than I probably should be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... uh... Yeah,
0: you speak for all of us,
1: man. But everybody, everybody follow Drew. He's great. Check out for that thread this evening. I'm sure it's going to be a humdinger. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.